So yeah, episode eight, like December, guys. I mean, I if I could buy my tickets already, I'd buy, probably buy like six of them. Did you see the news? Did you see the news thing where um, what's his name? Um, Luke Skywalker, dude. Mark right. Hamill. Are you kidding me? Thank you, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Honestly, Brit, look, there's a lot of wine involved in my <laughs> evening. Let's just take it easy. I'm starting too, by the way. <laughs> he was saying, he was saying um, that he he thought that Darth Maul should be should have been like he thought he was going to be a bigger villain, and it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that because he was awesome. Like he's a huge villain in the Clone Wars. He was the only redeemable thing about Episode One. Oh, you don't like Jar Jar? Uh, well. That that and Jar Jar, of course. Yeah, you got me there. I, you know what? I love I love the pod race. Really? I have to admit, I I thought that that whole sequence was really cool. Yeah, far fetched as it may be, but it, it is pretty cool. They're saying that's the worst part. You could just cut it right out. Oh come on! That that part was awesome. Yeah, I just hate the little kid. So so do I, but it doesn't matter. Like yeah, poor Jake Lloyd. I've heard that the guy gets bullied these days. But you know, it reminds me of the cool racer game that. Uh, like I don't remember the name that Star Wars Racer or something like that. It was like yeah, Star Wars Pod Racer or something. I played a lot of that game. Yeah, for like N sixty four. That was an awesome game. It was fantastic. That's right. I'm just saying because I'm just because you you guys literally pulled me from watching Rogue One. I was just halfway through the movie and then I had to come here and record. Yeah, you just had to. Just so you know that I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we feel very loved. I've still only seen it the, the one time. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, K two is always awesome. But I wouldn't die. Not me. Not, I wouldn't die in space. Isn't that that's the funniest part? I couldn't stop laughing the first time. You know, this is one of those times where the first time that I watched the movie, I was at the theater. I had no idea who was the actor who played the uh, the character of K two S O. Who is he again? And it's of course Alan Tudyk. Yeah, the guy from The Knight's Tale. Oh, he's hilarious. He's the guy from Firefly, of course. Not not whatever other thing you just said. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the Knight's Tale was awesome. Yeah, but it, he's from Firefly. That's the only thing that matters. I've never seen Firefly. Okay. Oh my god, I need more <laughs> wine. So, so this is this is one of those times where the first time that I watched the movie, I was feeling kind of meh about the character. I mean, it was funny, but kind of in a way like it was trying too hard to be funny. But then when I knew that it was that guy, I, I it totally changed the way that I that I looked at the character, and now I find him genuinely funny because I just picture Alan Tudyk doing whatever his thing is behind the scenes and I can't help but laugh my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. Rogue One. I, I think it's getting, I don't know. I feel like it's getting hurt a little bit. Not hurt now, but, but people were kind of harsher on it than I expected. I loved it. And maybe it's just because you get to see Vader rip everybody apart. Maybe oh, that's why. But Spoiler alert. Hello. Oh, come <laughs> on. I think we're past that. I hope that we get to see some of that stuff in, uh, I hope we get to see some more of that stuff in episode eight. I really do. I want to see right. Luke just annihilate, just annihilate for just a little while and prove that, you know, he really is the badass Jedi that we all thought he was. And then just calm down, chill out and say, but don't fall into the dark side. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> do not do not try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> Making lightsabers and stabbing people? Yeah. Among other things. Probably a bad call. So so I opened up our, our uh, last call here on Skype and it's a May 2nd. So um, I'll just... Walk out the door right now. Yeah, you've you, you you've been busy, and so have I. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of down yeah. to the two of us that that's mainly the reason why we haven't been that regular with the scheduling later lately. 
we, we have really dropped the ball. So do we, maybe it's an apology that we need to make, or maybe nah, it's just like I don't nah, think so. You know, we're just busy. But I think at this point, I think it's safe to say it's probably time to change the weekly statement on the on the show's website. I think that's fair because <laughs> this is Six proven to be really a, a, a definitely not weekly podcast, a quarterly podcast. <laughs> I think I think that that keeps us like focused a little bit right like the the claim makes us feel guilty for not having it be weekly because as soon as we say like oh monthly then it'll just keep slipping right like this way we've got something to <laughs> turn into a year yeah so <laughs> uh, but i think instead of an apology you guys should just tell everybody what you've been up to that's been keeping you so busy because there's been a lot for everybody and it's been like josh said quite a freaking long time since we were all together on one show so it has been what have you guys been uh, doing well on my end things have been very boring I've just been swamped with office work. So, yeah, nothing terribly exciting. I haven't been away on a trip. I haven't been, you know, doing cool things. I've just been working like like a madman. So, not much to tell here. <laughs> How was the second birthday party? The second one was okay. The third one was really awesome. Oh, was it the third one that was yeah. the test? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, in Spain we have three birthdays. <laughs> but it's not it's not my fault. I mean, what can you do when your birthday falls on a Wednesday? I mean, you got to have at least three parties, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, right? I am not blaming you at all. I was legitimately curious because you've got the cool new review units of the speakers and things, and I wanted to hear how oh, they performed yeah. in party mode. I am extremely impressed with both of them. And actually, the smaller one is even more impressive than the, than the big one. And by the way, just for those listening at home, I've always wanted to say that. Uh, I'm talking about the <laughs> B.O. Play, Bagging Allison, the, the BO Play A2 Active, which is a really cool Bluetooth speaker, uh, and the P2, the both from Bang and & Olufsen. And these are really, really cool uh, speakers. The P2 is the smaller one, right? Yeah, it, it, you can yeah, literally okay. fit it in your pocket. It's, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And it's very clever because it, it must have sort of like a haptic sensor or something. You can tap it and you can advance playback by tapping the speaker awesome. itself. So you don't even need to touch your phone. This is the first time I see that in a in a Bluetooth speaker, and it's it's a very cool implementation. And man, they sound really good. Yeah, they're pretty impressive. the The technology that goes into making them sound bigger than the physical size would, yeah. would lead you to believe is. Uh, yeah, in a blind test, you'd you'd never be able to tell that they yeah. are these small. Yeah. Right. So, guys, like audio is very much like photography, wherein like it's kind of defined by physics, right? Like you know, physical physics physics. Can I, I just said that. No, the physical other kind physics. of physics. <laughs> <laughs> the non-physical physics? The metaphysical physics. <laughs> but 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 overall, like the size of a microphone or a speaker, like it, it actually matters, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, when you say, you know, like headphones sound pretty good for headphones, <laughs> when you compare across different classes of device, it, there's just... It's just not yeah. comparable. But the same way that uh, camera manufacturers can use certain interesting software trickery and things like that to get around some of the limitations of using smaller sensors, for instance, um, the same kind of thing applies to audio. Um, these folks are doing interesting psychoacoustic tricks to kind right. of um, make your mind think that it's listening to something bigger than it actually is, because we have a pretty good understanding of how the human brain interprets sound, and we can use that knowledge to... Um, well, to our advantage when designing products like uh, like this. So yeah, it's it's still you can't overcome physics, but you can kind of cheat your way around some of the limits. Yeah, to to find sort of an analogy, it's like if you 
bought a really fancy camera, but the only the, the raw files themselves already had like film presets applied. Right. To. Yeah. And and you you get the end result with the tweaked colors because they look more appealing to you. And if the manufacturer determines the other research or whatever, that that kind of color manipulation is generally perceived as more attractive by a majority of the market, then that's what they're going to do. And that's what they're doing with speakers. It's like they're not pursuing ultimate fidelity. They're trying to create sounds that are appealing to the human ear. Yeah, and that's pretty much the difference between consumer and professional grade audio equipment. Yeah, most people actually, if you were to hand them a really perfectly flat professional speaker, it would probably sound a little bit dull to them. It totally would. And that's that's why like normal people should not be buying studio monitors, basically. Right. Right. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a normal person. I want one of those. No. <laughs> God. No, you really you don't. Really don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm the the farthest thing from an audiophile, mind you. I, I really am not one. I just enjoy listening to music. And if I I can do that on nice speakers and better than crappy ones, and then I'm happy about it. But I'm not picky at all. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what about you? Because you've been you've been away longer. Oliver and I did chat. Yeah, the me, the, that guy, that guy. Well, so you know, like. Summer time comes and then, you know, uh, somebody asks you, oh, like, do you want to coach a team? And you say, well, I don't have a whole lot of time. But and then they go, you know, well, we don't have a coach. So these guys can't play if you don't coach. And then I go, "Okay, well, all I do is, you know, like I try to podcast. I try to write on the on the side and I have a house that I got to like, you know, cut the grass and all that jazz. And so I said yes to this coaching thing. And then I ended up playing. And long story short, guys, I just like I spend five to six days a week at the baseball field. Oh, like in the evenings right. and then and then when i get home in the evening around 10 o'clock in the evening i try to do the little side hustle stuff so that takes about till midnight and then i wake up at 6 30 in the morning to do more side hustle stuff and i wait and then i go to work at for eight or nine hours a day and like that's my life wow <laughs> so it's busy yeah it's- well that's life that's life speaking of baseball though uh do you know if the blue jays are playing this summer in toronto oh <laughs> i do i know do I know? Do you? Oh, oh my! So, so it's kind of funny how you were like, you're like, oh, no, some, no, no, no trips or anything like that, or nothing on the schedule, or you're a liar. Not yet. No, there is definitely something on the schedule. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nail it down, man. What's the plan for August? Well, it's it's a bit complicated because I've been I haven't taken a long trip for I think about three four years, so I'm really looking forward to taking some time off this summer. And my biggest, uh, the, the the one, the trip that I'm looking forward to the most is uh, one that I'm going to do, the first one I'm going to take actually, which is between August 4th and August 10th, I'm going to fly to Toronto, actually. <laughs> Toronto. My master plan. That city that I've heard so much about, I don't know. <laughs> it's basically Canada. There, there was this, there was this big press conference the other day for this Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fight. Even like, even you guys have heard about this, right? Totally not, not at all. Totally not. Yeah, you guys. I mean, it's not. Oh my word. Okay, so like the the best boxer in the world is going to take on the best UFC fighter in the world. They're going to fight. 
You guys haven't heard about this? I don't even follow that stuff and I've heard about it. Anyway, okay, so there's a big press conference in Toronto and Floyd Mayweather was like, yeah, guys, like I'm wearing the Toronto flag and he's got like a Canadian flag around him. That That's what Canada is, the rest of the world, just Toronto. Pretty much. Yep, that's yeah. accurate. <laughs> Ooh, I love my Toronto flag. It's, it's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in Toronto, uh, Mar- Alvaro? Why, why, why Toronto? Well, actually, because I've never been there, that's the the first reason I I'm I've always been curious about it, and uh, I want to meet you guys. So whoa, 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 you guys, you guys, yes, because someone else is going to Toronto as well. Surprise, it's me. Oh, oh wait, you just dropped the bomb like <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 as it turns out, I live in Canada. I have flown through Toronto about thirty five to forty times. Never stepped outside of the airport. Never stepped outside of the security part of the airport. Right. So I'm also going to Toronto. Yeah. So it's one of those cities, right? Where you every time you take a long flight, you have to stop by. Yeah. Yeah. It, Toronto, Montreal. Like I've, I've actually been outside the doors of Montreal. Very nice. It's place a beautiful city. In the yeah. world. Uh, but, but Toronto, never been outside Toronto. I've always seen the CN Tower, you know, as you fly away. And you're like looking down and you see this Rogers Center open and you're like, oh, they're playing baseball down there. Or are they football back in the day? They used to play CFL football there, right? <laughs> like football, like like North American football, not not European football. So the, the wrong kind of football, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Because if, if they play with the hands, why is it called football? I never understood that. Call me crazy, but I, I'm a simple man. If you call it football, I think you, you actually play with the foot. <laughs> totally right. Totally right. So what about you, Marius? Are you are you going to Toronto this summer? I, I am, yeah. It turns out I will also be in really? my hometown of Toronto while you guys are visiting. <laughs> what a coincidence. Um, yeah, what a coincidence. No, see, this is my master plan slowly coming to fruition because I've been saying for years now that because I'm in the middle, it makes the most sense for Josh to hop over two provinces and for you to cross an ocean and we'll all just meet. One yeah. province. Wow. Wow. You're living up to the Canadian yeah. dream. One province. Come on. I said a couple of provinces. Whatever. It, you're, you're hopping over a little bit and yeah. have another glass of wine. Yeah, I'm I'm hopping over a, a lot more than, than yeah. Alvaro's making a real journey here. Like you can walk it, Josh. Let's not. But Marius, you're not going to stop un- until both of us are living in Toronto and shooting Fuji. Are you? I just wanna I just wanna lay out the um, baseline here. So first of all, you have a job with a company that has an office that's like. 10 minutes away from me. So you've already gotten in. Right. 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 And they actually encourage us to visit the foreign offices of the company. So I will obviously help you do that while you are here. Yeah. If you can do that, you get a raise. That'd be a great idea. We're totally helping out with that. See? Man. So I'm just saying like there's, there are good arguments in favor of Candid having an official headquarters with all team members here in Toronto. I just bought a house. What do I do now? Sell the house. I can't afford a house in Toronto. <laughs> Have you seen... Can anybody afford a no, house in Toronto? No, no, they <laughs> <Seriously>. cannot. <laughs> no, they <Right>. cannot. <laughs> oh man. So so okay. So we're all going to Toronto. Woo! Candid meetup. What what days are we there again? Oh God knows. But I think the important part is that we need to have a, a an official live episode, which would be great. Um, what what are the dates actually? You know what? Yeah. Because you guys are coming at like slightly. It overlaps in a strange way. So we've got to figure out the dates where right. everybody's there. Um, right. in case right. there are other listeners. I think it's 8, 9, and 10. 8, 9, and 10. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's the days where we're all there. Right? You'd get sick of me if I was there for a whole week with you guys. Well, trust me. only if you make me go to a baseball game. <laughs> that's what gin was invented oh, for. Oh, man. 
They don't sell gin at baseball games. It turns everyone <laughs> into much more interesting people. <laughs> yeah, it's not the people I'm worried about. It's the baseball part. Um, okay, so so August like 8, 9, 10, one of those days, we are going to do a live podcast. Totally. It'll probably go a lot like this one is going so far. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on, no, the, on the bright side, I think we don't need to worry about convincing people that this is not a scripted show. Yeah, no, that, that <laughs> ship sailed a long time ago. Well, no, we could cut out all this if you wanted to. But at the end of the day, it is going to be a photography trip, though. Like, that part is definitely true. I think so. I mean, I, I know what I'm it buying. Is. The first thing it I do, I, when I get off the airplane, there is something I'm buying the moment I get there. X-T2. Really? X-T2. <laughs> I've been going down that path for months, man. No, no. Oh, I even bid on one. Josh, are you familiar with Murphy's Law? <laughs> <laughs> I am very familiar with it. I'm just saying, because if, if you buy an X-T2 in Toronto, like on August 8th, I guarantee you Sony is going to release the A7 III like on August 9th <laughs> or something like that. Probably true. Fortunately, in Toronto, Fuji has that like buy it, try before you buy or something like that, right? Yeah, like you could totally buy it so and I can do that. like have three days to decide whether or not you want to keep it. I could, to you know what I should do is I should just buy it for those three days and then like shoot the whole city and then be done with it. That's what I'm saying. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. But okay, but uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll go into that Henry's and drop a few thousand dollars because I know what else I'm going to be buying, like actually legitimately buying. Which one? Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump into that GM stream finally, guys. I'm going to get into the, the the snobby part of the Sony lineup. Really? Because I'm sensing conflicting messages here. <laughs> I got a whole bunch. Of, <laughs> I don't blame you there. I've been conflicted for the last three months, but I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm pretty set on it. I'm going to stick with Sony. Uh, yeah. Nice. So what the, what's the role of the X-T2? Because I need to know what all the hype is about. I mean, if you, if you buy the, because I assume you're talking about the 24-70 GM lens. Yeah. Yeah. So if you buy that, then why would you want an X-T2? I'm, I'm lost just, here. Just because I, just try it. And then I know full well that I don't want it. Oh, right. That makes sense. <laughs> makes, makes a lot of sense. Nothing could possibly go wrong <laughs> oh, there. I can't wait. But okay. But seriously though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but if it's, if it's trying, if trying it before you commit to it is the point, wouldn't it be better to just buy it on Amazon? You have a whole month to try it. And if you're not convinced, mm. you can just return it. I don't know if Amazon Canada's got the same return policies. They probably do. I think I've looked into this. It depends on the uh, it depends on the category, but I think it does. Um, I, th I think we do have the same or very similar. Oh, we do. Hey, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, now that I know that, now I'm going to buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, let's let's get back to the whole trip thing because I am super excited to be able to photograph that city. That city looks like a pile of fun so to shoot I. photos in. Right. It's a very photogenic city. You guys are going to love it. Like to be able to go up to the top of the CN Tower and, you know, I, I don't know if we know if we're going to get up to the top there, but at the end of the day, like to shoot down on, it's kind of like Canada's New York City, right? And then you guys have that Toronto Island there, right, Marius, where you can kind of jump across the water and then you get the whole skyline and everything. Yep. Man, oh man, like ah, you guys have so much cool stuff. You know, here you just shoot a photo and all you get are like rows of corn. Just endless rows of yeah, corn. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting things that we can um, that we can go visit, and there's different parks that give you different views of the city, and there's like um, some really cool cliffs that are outside the city where people go fly their drone. Um, it's it's nice. Oh, I should get a Mavic. Oh, just for the trip. <laughs> it's gonna be a very expensive trip for you, isn't it? 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All three days worth. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. So, so are there any other friends of the show that we might be able to meet up with while we're there? Yes, you guys will definitely be meeting um, Thomas Wong, who we just had on, uh, not last episode, but the, the one before that. Um, he lives down the street from me. Nice. And he's definitely just as eager to uh, to meet you guys. So he's definitely in there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we know in Toronto, but um, if I've forgotten someone and you're in our Slack channel or you're listening and you know us on Twitter, then let us know if you want to meet us and you're in Toronto on those days, then tell us. We'll be around. We'll be visiting things and apparently buying Josh all sorts of camera gear. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And if you're not in Toronto those days, do come to Toronto yeah. those days. There's no excuse. You have plenty of time to set it up. Right. We'll be at the local pub. Just the local pub. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> we have to have a conversation about this. Yeah, it's a safe, it's a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun, guys. I'm really looking forward to it. my first vacation in about a year and a half. So I, I'm excited. It's going to be a great time. I think Jacqueline and I are going to uh, we're going to go to a couple baseball games and in, in the downtime. Um, and we're excited to go. We're, you were saying Niagara Falls. We're excited for that. Oh yeah. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be fun. Sweet. So. We've announced that. Done. What else? Like, I, I mean, I also heard that Marius not only is going to be hosting us soon, but he went on his own trip. How many trips have you been on recently? I've only been on, I've been on one real trip and one like camping adventure. I don't know if that counts as a, as a trip. So just, just the one. I think that counts. But yeah, I, w- I was in Romania. Um, I got back food actually just a little less than a week ago. Um, I landed Sunday at some crazy hour. Um, but yeah, I was there for two weeks and um, had a very different kit with me than... <laughs> yeah, very lightweight travel travel setup, right? Extremely compact too. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we want... Do you want to like jump right into that or do you want to like... Because I also have to tell you guys about my, my wonderful encounter. Speaking of Sony's GM glass, I finally encountered my first GM lens. Really? Oh, that's before me. Yeah. Do tell. Okay, so the the GM lens that I encountered was the 85. That is such a beast. Isn't it nice? It is a beast. It's actually, so it's the one that I think I would have been most interested in trying because it's the one that has the most potential to, to wow you, I think, right? Like as a, as a portrait lens. Right. Um, I think the downside for me is that I experienced that lens on the A7S Mark II, which um, I had in the house because we rented it for, for video work, obviously, this past week. So I've, I had a little bit of an opportunity to play with it and it's... Oh my God, is it ever an unlikable camera? It is, oh, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's not for photography. I mean, I think anyone who buys it m- must understand that it's not, it's not designed for photography. It's designed for videography. Right. It does a very good job for that. It, you know, the footage we're, we're pleased with. Um, but what I did do was try and imagine in my brain what it would be like, because my understanding and from, from being in the store, the actual physical differences between the A7S Mark II and the A7R Mark II are are very minimal in terms of handling and ergonomics and things like that. So Right, it's just the end result. Exactly, like exactly. So, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I, I can imagine what it would be like to have an A7R II, for instance, with this lens. And Well, the, the autofocus systems are different too. They are. So the experience of shooting with the camera is slightly different too. They are. And that's actually one of the first things I noticed, which was that the autofocus with the GM lens um, in photography mode was pretty terrible. Um, there was a lot of hunting. It was very slow, um, slower than I would have anticipated. I, I say very slow because I'm, I guess I had very high expectations for, for what that kind of combination would right. be like. It really was not, it didn't feel confident at all 
in what it was doing. And that's not really the kind of thing I would have wanted. But like you said, very different um, AF algorithms at play there, very different sensor in behind. So And for what it's worth, for what it's worth, the Sony cameras and lenses, it's very important to be on the latest firmware version because otherwise there are issues with the focusing and, and stuff, especially with the GM lenses, which are so new. If you have a, an earlier firmware version, uh, yeah, autofocus performance is not going to be great. Right. And so that might have been what was at play because I didn't check the firmware versions on on either of them. And I'm not sure if the rental house that we use keeps things up to date or not. So, right. But anyway, the lens, I have nothing bad to say about. Um, snap some photos, was very impressed. The rendering is extremely pleasant. The handling of it is great. Um, it is big. It is heavy. Isn't it because it's big? Yeah. That's what I found when I was at the, when I tried it the one time. It's a big lens. Big heavy beefy but it's like it's like man i'm in power now i'm in control i i got this thing you know yeah like it's for for me the ergonomics of the lens were were great like that's that's really uh it was hefty but not in a way that feels disproportionate um it did feel a little uh, front heavy with the camera body itself like it it doesn't feel like a very well matched combo but again i i think that the ergonomics of the body were just like I'm, I'm trying to ignore that in my assessment of the lens, which I did like very much. Um, so that was great. I mean, I think if all the if all the GM lenses are like that, then that's that's amazing. That's that's you know that's exactly what you would want. And it actually it felt tiny to me because of what I had been shooting with the, <laughs> the previous week, which will yeah. Um, but anyway, no, there's no there's no way I would buy an A7S. Mark II for for photography, and if the A7R Mark II for photography feels and handles similarly, then I would like. Oh man, I don't know. It's it would be it would be tough. I would buy it specifically for particular stuff, but I can't imagine enjoying using that as my main camera. Can't imagine. Well, right. So far, the the, the Sony A7 cameras so far, they all have the same issue, which is that they feel slow. They feel sluggish. They the AF itself is okay, but the performance of the camera, like the time that it takes to clear the buffer, the time that it takes to recover from when you're shooting or when you turn it on, those things are just, uh, they, they, they drive me crazy whenever I use the camera. And that's just because they're trying to push the, uh, like the, the imaging power, they're trying to push it as hard as they can. And yeah. they ran against these, performance wall and they cannot just it, it just yeah. doesn't work that's why i'm excited for the next generation because if the a6500 is any indication and of course the the new a9 which is just awesome if those cameras are any indication performance seems to be like a solved problem for sony like they finally made the, the image processor or the buffer big enough or the, or the sd card uh, fast enough whatever they had to do it it seems to me that they finally did it and and now performance is great it's to the point where it's not an issue yeah and you can just shoot and the camera largely can disappear which is after all the way it should be it should be that way and that's that's what i think would be the ideal i just don't know for sure if that's what we'll get because sony inevitably is like th their whole thing is that they want to push the technology envelope forward so they may well catch up for this generation of sensor and then end up inventing something entirely new right. and then it's like well okay now there's a gap again so i i i hesitate but we'll see i i think i think they've been burned by this and they know it because many people have complained about this issue and i think they're going to look at it kind of like apple looks at 
the iPad battery life. Like they finally hit the the point where it's good enough and they're not going to compromise on that anymore. That's now the bar. If they can take it even further, I'm not sure if they would because why would you? It's If it's good enough, it's good enough. But this is something where at least I wouldn't want to see them uh, taking a step back. I think this is a, a huge part of using a camera and uh, and... I mean, I would be disappointed if if they did what you just said, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna find out soon because Josh is gonna buy something else, and the minute he does that, they'll announce the next generation, and we'll know what's what's coming. So, exactly. 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 Hey, I'll take a bullet for yeah. the team, guys. What can I say? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So so okay. Let's stop beating around the bush. What what camera system did you take over to Romania? Because you seem to have a connection to every single photography company in the entire world. I, I don't get it. You know, I've been working like, not my whole life, but I feel like I'm working forever just to get a crack at some sort of review unit. I got one review unit. So yay, that's check one off the list. But Marius has got like 10 on his on his list. I don't get well, it. Well, I, I can't say why <laughs> that happens. But um, what happened was this. So I was, I was all set to to go to Romania with with my normal mirrorless setup, I was going to take an Olympus kit. I was going to be like nice and and lean and just prepare for Africa and life would be great. And then I uh, I got a call and it turned out that um, my 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 spot in line I guess showed up and I was uh, going to get the GFX kit from Fujifilm. Um, the GFX kit I say because it was the uh, G50 body. Um, the only body so far in that in that family, plus three lenses, and uh, so this happened the day before I left. I think, um, yeah, the day the day before. So it was like a Friday or some crazy thing like that. And they're like, "Yeah, we can uh, overnight it, or you can come pick it up." And I was like, "I will come pick it up because I don't trust shipment <laughs> for, <laughs> for something like that." Uh-huh. Yeah, good choice. So anyway, choice. I. Um, I pick it up and I, I showed you guys a picture. We can probably put a, a link in the show notes, but it comes in this blast case, this like durable pressure sealed um, case thing. And <laughs> protected from stormtroopers and everything. Honestly, like you could play soccer with this and, and it would. Um, but anyhow, so in what, what I ch- what I chose, because they asked me which lenses I wanted and and what they had available, uh, the, the 110 millimeter lens had just become available and it's the the fastest one. It's it's uh, an F2. Nice. Um, most reviews up to this point have been of the 120 macro lens, which again is also fantastic. But I figured, OK, why don't I try the newer thing? Why don't I try the faster thing? Um, so there was that one. Right. And uh, sorry, but just because I don't fully understand it. For reference, the 110 f2 is equivalent to like an 85 f1.4 or something like that. Yeah, roughly, because it's it, you got to go the other exactly. way, of medium format. Exactly, oh, you're going in the other direction. So that's kind of think of it as like the classic 85 portrait lens. Um, and so that one was my first choice, and then I had um, the 23 mil, um, which is the the sort of landscape prime that they've got, the fabulous lens. So that'd be like 14 or something it, like that. I, oh, that'd be wide. I think it's. I, I, I don't remember exactly what the equivalence is for it because I didn't bother to, like, I don't care really. It's, it's, it's wide though. It's, it's not right, like right. a 24. Fair, it's, fair. it's wider than that. It's, it's wide. an ultra wide. Right. And then, um, I picked up the 32 to 64 zoom, which is kind of the, um, the, the do everything lens. It's an F4, uh, across the range. And it's, uh, it's a really good, um, like it's a flexible range. It's not too extreme. So the optical quality is, is very solid throughout. And, um, 
yeah, so that was my that was my setup. And and so, of course, it, it comes in this crazy blast case. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm taking this to the airport um, in this in this form. Like, I, <laughs> there's it's just not happening. So, <laughs> you got to carry that everywhere with you, eh? So, no, like, it's it's just... Anyway, so I, I unpacked it from that. I put it in my Peak Design backpack. And believe it or not, for the record, um, you can fit all of that into the Peak Design, the smaller of the Peak Design backpacks, plus... Um, I have the art. That's impressive. I have the articulating viewfinder um, attachment, um, plus all the chargers, plus the extra battery, and um, they also gave me the grip, the portrait grip. Um, I didn't take that to Romania, but everything else fit into my Peak Design backpack, which was the worst thing <laughs> I have ever carried with me. It only weighed like fifty pounds or something like that. The, the Peak Design backpack or all the kit. Every like that was the worst part of this, and I will I will talk about that. But it, just for the record, so that's what I took to Romania, and I was like, okay, if I take a lighter camera kit, I'm going to be tempted just by familiarity to fall back on that whenever you know it's inconvenient or whatever. So I said, no, forget it. I'm taking just the GFX kit and my iPhone. So I was shooting with this camera in situations where normally you would not choose this camera i think that's that would be fair to say it's not uh it's not that it's a bad travel camera necessarily but there are situations where it's not um it, it would not be your first choice um but yeah that's that. i'm just trying to do the math here so how much cash are we are we talking about? oh my god like we're talking like like fifteen thousand to twenty thousand canadian dollars of i think alvaro put it best he he was telling me on that evening that he could fly first class from spain to toronto um, s- steal it. Oh yeah. Go fly back, <laughs> and and still end up um, significantly ahead on cost. So, I I have never in my life been more uncomfortable traveling with something than with this. And and it's not like Romania is a third world country or, but it's just like the knowledge of having so much value in one backpack is is terrifying and it makes you it makes you think differently about when you're going to pull it out to shoot like i thought oh maybe i'll do some street photography oh no uh-uh because, <laughs> because i can't imagine why because it's a super super discreet camera it's oh man so i don't know if you guys want to like talk about it but it's there there are a few things that i learned here that i think are very valuable um the first of which and i think well then talk about it go for it all right okay so seriously so First of all, for travel, don't don't take this can like I okay, I know their marketing says that you can take it for, for travel, right? Because that's part of the promise is that it's medium format made portable, which is true. But if you are not used to medium format, you are used to DSLRs or you are used to medium form or uh, mirrorless, small mirrorless systems, then this is going to seem ridiculous to you. Like taking this around is just absurd. I went hiking with this camera which is an experience I would not <laughs> wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> sorry, I can just see it. I, I can just see it. <laughs> Let me paint a picture for you. I did four and a half, no, five, five and a half hours of hiking up a mountain with this backpack on my back. I got caught in a storm. I slid down that mountain on my butt through the mud in the storm with the backpack weighing me down, which, by the way, <laughs> great for speed. Um... But it is... You should have filled it with rocks. It, honestly, it would have been lighter that way, I think. Um, and so Thomas, friend of the show Thomas, asked me, why did you keep all the lenses in the bag? 
And I thought, okay, well, see, I went through this because I thought, well, I could leave, you know, I'm only going to shoot, like I could just take the zoom and then I just camera and zoom. That's not so bad, right? But where am I going to leave the other two lenses? In the car, in an unattended parking lot somewhere? Like chances of it being broken into small, but can I take that risk? No. It could happen. So all of it came with me everywhere (laughs) went. Uh, my word but wasn't it insured i assume so i have to assume so god i was telling myself so but because this seems like a unique opportunity to go around with like twenty five thousand dollars in your backpack and you not a care in the world because it's not yours see i don't know because there was um surprisingly little uh paperwork or anything like that in in this exchange so i i didn't know and i didn't want to make assumptions that would cost me the equivalent of a car afterwards so i um I played it safe. Right. But anyhow, so here's the thing. When you're carrying this thing around, it's awful. You'll hate yourself. You'll hate the camera. You'll wonder why you're doing it. And then you pull it out and you start shooting and it vanishes. Like you were saying, Alvaro, this idea of the camera disappearing. And for me, and I think for Fujifilm shooters in general, this is something that is going to be more so the case than with others because if you've ever shot with an X-T1 or an X-T2, this is the same camera, just bigger. It really is. Like, the the experience of shooting with it is no different in terms of the controls, with a few little quirky exceptions. But it's it's more or less the same, which means that unlike another um, medium format system where you're trying to figure out how it works, like there's a there's a back and a front and a, like what what are people talking about? This is this is a camera as you know it, with the same sorts of controls and the Fujifilm approach of having physical dials for things. It just happens to have a much larger sensor and a much higher megapixel count than its contemporaries. So from that perspective, it was great because the, the learning curve for handling it um, was was small. Or I should say for, for the controls was small. Handling it is where there was a learning curve. And I, I think I, I was complaining to you guys because the first few days out with it... Um, it, I was having a hard time, especially with the 110. Like, this is an unforgiving camera. You, Your technique has to be spot on. And it's, um, I don't want to say slow, because for medium format, it probably isn't. And again, I, I'm coming at this as someone who's not shot medium format before. So I, I don't, like, I don't have that perspective. But coming from a DSLR, coming from a standard smaller mirrorless kit, it feels sluggish. Like, taking a photo is a slow thing like it you just it's like a ka-chunk and up and it's just not like but you mean like the shutter like the shutter mechanism is is what you're referring about right the shutter mechanism is slow there's a tremendous amount of lag compared to something like an em1 or an x pro 2 like it's just it is not a fast nimble thing and so if you're used to what about the af though because I remember reading like a few months ago that they had managed to get comparable performance to the XT2, which seems like incredible. Yeah, that's a that's a, fi- a fantasy. That that's not the case. Um, but right. I I read a lot of reviews that said the AF was terrible, and it's not. It is fine. It is it is even good depending on the lens and depending on the lighting situation. But it is nowhere near the XT2. Like that's just not happening. Like XT2 or X Pro2 with with one of the new Fujicron primes or something like that, that's fast AF. This is not. Right. But it's perfectly serviceable, right? And this is the kind of camera, again, you're not going to be shooting action with this camera, or if you are, you're doing it with way more skill than I have. So, it, you know, in, in general, this is a camera for more patient shooting. And I'm okay with that, but it took getting used to, and it took understanding the limitations, 
Right. And and trying to having to adapt my approach to shooting basically because I was used like I don't know if you guys do the same thing but I typically keep my cameras off um, and then turn them on and they're ready like the X Pro Two is ready to shoot immediately so I can snap a shot in in a second and it's just that's it. This guy not so much like it it takes a little while to wake up takes a little while for the autofocus to get where you need it to go so it's it's different. Um, but once you get used to it, like once all of that is passed, you take a couple of days, you do, you know, put a couple hundred shots through it, then it goes away once you're shooting. And the only problem is getting it from shoot location to shoot location. Um, <laughs> because the files that come out of this camera are the best that I've ever seen, period. I, th- this is the best camera that I've ever shot with from any manufacturer ever in terms of file quality. And that's partly because of the resolution and it's partly because of the... Um, the way that certain aspects of the file respond to processing. And it's not the ones that I expected. I, I expected dynamic range to like blow me away. It didn't. Um, in some cases, actually, I, I think I, I it, so raising shadows in certain shots, I actually found that I had more headroom with my X Pro 2 files than I do with this guy. But other ones, it was the other way around. So I'm not really sure what's going on there but yeah that seems like completely counterintuitive exactly right right? like there were there were certain shots where i was trying to see if i could get away with doing them without bracketing and i i know how much like i have similar shots from the x pro 2 where i'm able to pull up shadows significantly and cleanly and it's great but here i was pulling them up and i was like oh there's that's not as much as i expected like it's not i didn't have the same range if you will um on the on the slider in lightroom um, but that's that's kind of irrelevant because again the files themselves are just spectacular and what I like about them is that the um, the way that they respond to color processing and the way that they render um, gradients and things like that just feels more nuanced to me and my struggle now is trying to understand how much of that has to do with the resolution and how much of that is intrinsic to the medium format sensor size because I'm not sure where that boundary lies, right? Like, I'm not sure if I'm being wowed by 50 megapixels or by something that is inherently a result of the bigger sensor. Like, it's it's hard to determine whether that's the case. And I'm, I'm in a happier position than a lot of the reviewers because I haven't bought this thing, so I don't have to justify to myself its value, right? Right. So I'm trying to think critically and... and, and um, have a measured response to that. And I, I honestly, I don't know what it is. I think it's a bit of both. Probably. Because if you think about it, if one thing is true about photography is that more light is better. Yeah. And if you take the same picture, even if you had a, a, a similar lens, like like we were saying before, instead of your uh, 110 millimeters F2, if you had an 85 F1.4, you would get the same composition, the same depth of field, with a full frame camera as you would with your uh, with with the medium format but because the sensor is bigger the same image captures more light in the medium format camera than it does in the full frame camera yeah so that's why you have greater dynamic range greater tonality because you're working with more light and all other things being equal more light is better yeah so, I mean, again, from from no matter how you slice it, these files are really great. Um, they're, they're a joy to work with. Um, in a wonderful testament to Lightroom's crappiness, they actually load faster than the Xtrans 3 files um, on my machine, which is just 
sad. Right. You know, these <laughs> these 125 megabyte raw files are loading uh, previews faster. Um, that's actually another... And those are uncompressed, right? Uncompressed, yeah. I never shoot compressed raws. Why not, though? Honestly, it's because um, for the longest time, it didn't uh, it didn't work. Oh, like, uh, uh, OS X couldn't display them, and I was just like, I don't... Just storage is cheap. Like, I don't care. I'd rather have maximum compatibility. I don't want it to have to, like uncompress and then do whatever and if the operating system didn't so now it's just habit because now compressed raws do work everywhere right but i just don't have any pressing reason to switch to them so it's yeah but anyhow so that is that is in a nutshell my my um my main complaint which is again like carting this thing around is not fun um in a travel context again maybe if i owned it maybe if it was just like the body in one lens then fine because I've had it like I had it hanging off of me with the uh, you know the the Peak Design slide strap, and it's okay. It's fine. If it weren't for the backpack part of it, it would have been okay. Um, but the whole thing as a you know like the the entire system um, is not what I would call portable for spontaneous travel, and that's that's okay. Again, this is not a camera that it's not the first choice for that sort of thing. Um, and I think that if you're right. like if you're someone like an adventure landscape photographer and you're taking this camera, you're probably taking the 23 mil and the body, maybe the zoom, and that's it. That's what you're going with, and that, then it's okay. And and a tripod, obviously. Yeah, the body and one one and maybe two lenses. That's exactly because that's a DSLR kit, that's, basically. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. But the the problem is that so this 110 lens, which by the way is my favorite of them, um, is huge it's crazy big it is like it's <laughs> bigger than cameras it's big it's like uh and it's heavy um which is you know to be expected because there's a lot of glass um but that one i'm forgiving of because it is it is so much josh i don't i'm so glad that you're not here while i have this <laughs> because if i were to hand you this camera and this lens you would buy it you would end up divorced. Okay. It would, it would be... You'd say, who needs a house? I'm going to buy the camera instead. <laughs> no word of a lie. It is outstanding. It is so pretty. The bokeh is just so smooth. And it's uh, it just obliterates backgrounds. And from, like, in ways that you can't do with the smaller sensor bodies, I think, because uh, unless you have, like, crazy fast lenses that don't exist, because it's just right. the... the way that that fall off is rendered is different. And the bokeh is shaped like unicorns highballs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Very pleasing. Oh, shape. I want this lens. <laughs> <laughs> they better make a Sony converter somewhere. Oh man, it would I'm just trying to imagine you with with a big Hasselblad system, you know, traversing the Romanian mountains, uh, having a like a Romanian like mountain goat, you know. <laughs> if it's an X1D, <laughs> if it's an X1D, sure. If it's one of the big backs, no thank you. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> oh, my word. It's still remarkable, though. Like, it's got to be a bit of a testament to to Fuji for being able to create a medium format camera, regardless of how big that sensor is. You know, like, maybe it's not truly medium format, but regardless. You know, to be able to create a, a mirrorless medium format camera that you can actually take up into the mountains and shoot a landscape no matter how heavy your Peak Design backpack was, that's still pretty cool. That's still pretty cool that that's capable, you know, today. Yeah, the fact that it's even possible. The fact that it's even possible, totally. Yeah. So the only other thing that I that I wanted to mention as a, as a negative and something that relates to why I didn't do street photography is that 
I have like I there's no camera that I've ever shot with that has been so threatening to other people as this camera. <laughs> they probably felt you, like you were stealing their souls. I, it, like it, it's beyond that. Like here's my ray gun. <laughs> they th I think they thought it was a weapon. Like I, I this is okay. So I had the opportunity to go visit um, a hydro power plant um, underneath the mountain. Well, a different mountain, but it, it, underneath, you know, I, I after hours, I got to go and see it. And I asked if I could take photos and, you know, they said, well, it's not allowed, but that's, you know, fine. Just don't post them anywhere. So I was like, okay, I won't post them anywhere. And I had my backpack, of course. And I think that this poor guy was expecting that I would pull out, you know, an X100 <laughs> or something. A little, little point and shoot, eh? Just out of your pocket. No, 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 and, no, 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 no. And so I'm like, no. Marius Masaller does not pull out little pocket point and shoot. So I'm like, hang on, <laughs> give me a minute. Let me get my camera out. And so down goes the backpack, up comes the flap, body comes out. And he's like, oh God. And then I'm like, wait. And I pull off the top plate and the, you have to assemble this thing. Okay. So bear with me. So there's the two part articulating viewfinder that goes on, which I could have avoided, but it's better in dark situations. So I assembled that. And he's like, oh, of course, he's Why like, okay, you? oh man, is there more? And I'm like, wait, I need the lens. So out comes this gigantic lens, which I put on and he's like, oh, wait, this is not. And he stands in front of me to obscure the view of the camera while he's sweating here. And I'm like, wait, give me a sec. We're almost there. And I pull out the hood, which nearly doubles the length of this lens. Screw that guy on. Lens cap comes off. It boots up. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And he is like sweating bullets. He, this is not what he thought was going to happen. And... It is like, I can't, I can't describe to you the way people look at it. In public places, I ran into other hikers, for instance, on the first part of that hike. And they like avoid you. They, they look with terror at this machine that you are holding. Right. And that's something I'm not used to because all of the cameras that I shoot with, typically the X-Pro2, the X-100 series, the Pen-F, the, even the EM-1 that's still sort of DSLR shaped, people don't respond to them like threatening objects. Partly because they're small, partly because they don't really look like professional cameras. But I think they picture themselves like on the cover of National Geographic all of a sudden. They must. Like I don't, I, and I understand them, right? Because it is like I was. Um, so Shannon has also been shooting with it a little bit and and uh, getting a feel for it, and she's fallen in love with the camera. But having been now on the other side of that lens, I totally get it. Like you can't even see the photographer. It's it's right. massive. It's it's this gigantic thing, and uh, like that is. Um, that's something that I'm not used to. And I think that um, it, it makes me admire studio, um, like very, very high-end studio photographers even more because they're working with these big systems and they're still managing to get natural reactions out of their subjects, not all of whom are professional models. And to be able to do that with this kind of camera is, is obviously a different set of challenges. Yeah, of course. But th there's also a flip side to that, right? Like a camera like this can also give you the presence that you need to have in order to take pictures in certain situations that normally you wouldn't be able to get away with. Like if you're trying to make sure that you're taken seriously, that helps a lot. Yes. Yeah. Walk into a beginner's photography class with this. <laughs> I mean, it's not terribly important because after all, what matters is your skill. You can take awesome pictures. If you're a great photographer, you can take awesome pictures with all kinds of gear. But sometimes people respond to that and it sort of informs them of your professionalism 
in a totally misguided way, but that still applies. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm going to buy one just to show off. Hey, guys, look at me. I'm going to pull out my big GFX camera, and then I'm going to put it down on the ground, and I'm going to pull the camera that I actually shoot with. Oh, you just use it as a stepping stool? <laughs> at least I made a good impression. <laughs> I've actually done that. You, you, you laugh, but I've actually done that. I remember years ago, my, my father is a, a journalist. He's, uh, he's had a, like a broadcasting company for like 40 years. And I remember my brother and I, we used my father's company to get press passes to a, a tennis tournament. We're really big tennis fans. And the, the way that we, we had to pretend that we were journalists. We were both students back then. So there was, we, we really had nothing to do there. <laughs> And I was supposed to play the part of the photographer. And I remember we had a, a friend who actually is a photographer, a professional photographer. And he lent me his big-ass camera. I think it was a Canon 1DX or something like that. One of these really big DSLRs with a full-size body. And I literally had that hanging from my neck. And then I was taking pictures with a compact point and shoot <laughs> because I literally had no idea how to, how to even turn it on. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a bit, eh, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean that, that works. And, and that would be, you have to look the part. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you would definitely look the part with this camera. There's, there's no, there's no way around it, but I also like, it, it makes me wonder the folks who are doing some street photography with it, like, man, that's, that takes a lot of skill because Again, it's not like you can be subtle. You really can't. So you've got to just embrace that and work around it. And that's, you know, that's a set of skills that I don't have. But it's something that is, um, it, it puts this camera into a category all its own from more than just a technology perspective, right? And I think that's the thing that, that I realized um, on this trip is that, yes, it is something that you might crave because it's an outstanding camera, but there are certain trade-offs that you might not immediately think of when it comes to using one for work outside of a studio. And that made it for me something that I'm less um, tempted by personally. Like having having had this experience, I find myself less inclined to want to save up to buy this camera. Right. I'm grateful that I was able to shoot with it because I think that it was an eye-opening experience and I think it's going to take me a while to digest all the things that um, it taught me about medium format and about you know, photography with different kinds of tools, but coming out of it, I'm not like, okay, I have to like sell all my belongings and maybe a kidney and buy this stuff, right? It's not the kind of camera that I feel like I would want to own. I wish I could rent it. I do, because I think that if we were doing um, high-end portraiture work, this is clearly the best setup that I've ever used for that kind of thing, like bar none. There's, there's nothing that I've shot with that makes people look as outstanding as easily as this G50 camera and the 110 millimeter lens. So there's, you know, but I'm, I, now I have an understanding of where those situations are and, and what kinds of things um, I would want to shoot on this camera. Yeah. And I think this goes back to what we've always said about this camera, which is that if you're among the target audience for it, you already know it. Yes. If you, if you're hesitating, then it's probably not for yeah. you. Pretty much. Well, I'm hesitating, but I still want it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Dang, I wish you had it when we come to Toronto next week or next month. Like, we're about three weeks away now. I wish you still had it because that'd be fun to just, you know, right. feel how long the leg is on that shutter button. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was my that was my little adventure, my my GFX in Romania um, adventure. I actually thought I was returning it today, but it turns out I'm I'm not. Um, I didn't hear back, so it's still sitting beside me. This blast proof case, everything has been returned there. <laughs> Uh, Turns out I've decided I'm going to keep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the next episode will be recorded in jail. Well, hey, thanks for letting us live vicariously. Thanks for letting us live you live vicariously through you. Like, I think your experience, like you sharing this experience, is going to matter. Uh, I think. Um, I mean, the the whole like novelty of it has really worn off on me. I, there's no way I'd ever buy it. But at the end of the day, it's good to know that you know it. The novelty wearing off was the right thing. Yeah, like I'm trying to, again, because I didn't buy it and because I'm not trying to like comprehend the amount of money that would have been dropped on this, I'm just trying to be pragmatic about my response to it. And in a lot of ways it's positive, but in a lot of other ways it's not as positive. It's it's either lukewarm or explicitly negative. And that's just, I think that that balance has changed the way that I look at this camera. Um, it's no longer something that I'm aspiring to to own, which is fine. Again, I was never in the target audience, so that's not like a, a surprise or anything, but it's it now I feel less of that crappy, gassy feeling that we all love and, and hate so much. So so we're back to dreaming about three like cues, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One for One your for foot. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, three weeks from now, my, my end goal, stupid goal, totally admit it, terrible goal, will be to have you saying, you know what, that Sony camera, I actually do like it. That's, that's what the, you know, between Oliver and I, we'll have enough lenses for you to be able to try. Whole, think about how many different lenses we'll be able to try. Actually, yeah. Oliver, you know I'm going to like, seriously. Yeah, but you know what? The other day I had sort of an epiphany about this. I think I finally realized what it is that Marius doesn't like about Sony cameras. At, uh, I may be wrong, but it, this is uh, just a, a silly thought that occurred to me the other day. And it's that I was, I kept thinking he likes physical dials. He likes being able to operate this as a as a machine, like as a mechanical thing. And I kept thinking, well, the latest Sony cameras, they all have plenty of dials. What is it about them that is not good enough? And I think it's because if you look at Fuji cameras, the physical position of the dial matters. Like there's only, you, you, the camera doesn't even have to be on, but the dial itself tells you by by looking at the position that it's in tells you what feature is activated in at each setting on sony cameras that's not the case the dials are electronic so you can turn them and you have no idea of knowing what the settings are until you look at the screen and see okay i'm at f uh one 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 two hundredth of a second and f 5.6 for example there's not a way to operate the camera without paying attention to the settings. And with Fuji cameras, I think that's not the case. This is just a silly thought that occurred to me the other day. Feel free to stop me anytime because I've been blabbing for about 30 seconds. No, now. no, it's <laughs> 1 a.m. Alvaro at his best. It's probably 2 a.m. Alvaro at his best. It's not silly, though. I think that that's, that's actually a big part of it. And I, I don't remember what form it was on, but someone had described the difference between Fujifilm cameras and other cameras as whether they're... Uh, like a face up or a face down or eyes up or eyes down type of camera. Like with the Fujifilm, um, you don't need the camera to your eye to know what's going on. You can be down, like you said, you you just you you know where all the settings are and that's that's it. You don't have to interact with the technological aspect of it if you don't want to. Whereas other cameras you do. And and that's that's a I guess a, a philosophical difference as much as it is a mechanical one. But um the only thing that I think is 
throwing a, a bit of a wrench in that theory is that I do very much like Olympus cameras and their operation and their ergonomics. Um, and they're much more akin to Sony from this perspective than to Fujifilm because same idea. It's not like I know what the settings are on an EM1 when I'm not looking at a screen. Man, you and your rational explanations. Always <laughs> raining no on my parade. Sorry, sorry. Hang on. I'm going to pour another wine here. We'll get this back on track. Oh, so, so I'm just like currently doing like the math here, checking off all these different lenses that are going to be there next week or, or sorry, like three weeks from now. And I can't, I can't nail down all, I can literally hear you pouring it's that. It's going to be really good. This wine is named after me. I got it for my birthday. So it's very special. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, so last year when we were in Europe, uh, we were um, on the top of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris and, you know, you can like walk around, right. And shoot kind of not panoramas, but you know, like wide angle shots of Paris. It's, it's beautiful. And so I stayed up there for like probably an hour and a half or two hours. And I just proceeded to shoot like at every possible angle I could. And I had three lenses and I did every possible angle I could with all three lenses so that I had every shot that I could possibly take. So I'm just trying to imagine that scenario from the top of the CN Tower in Toronto with literally 30 lenses around me. Right. Oh, we're going to be up there for hours, You might guys. want to book another day or two because it sounds like it's going to be a slow sightseeing tour. <laughs> you guys are going to get so mad at me. I can't wait. You know what, though? I actually think it's going to be great because I, I agree with you. I You know, this is going to be my... Um, my first time being able to actually interact with the camera for an extended period of time and and actually just shoot with it with good lenses, right? And and we'll obviously be swapping cameras back right. and forth. Uh, you guys can shoot with my X-Pro2. And, and same for me with Fuji. I've never truly put my hands on a Fuji X-T2. I, ha I have, but not like yeah. used it. So I'm going to, you know, borrow your guys' and the X-Pro2. And I'm hoping somebody, you've got, you've got an EM1 Mark II kicking around there somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there you yeah. go. So, you, so we'll be swapping cameras all over the place. <laughs> just just in, in a class it down <laughs> no, out of the basement you know any m1 mark ii with five or six lenses <laughs> oh we're gonna need four peak design bags no oh. man it'll all fit in this one if, if i can fit the gfx kit i can fit everything else in there no problem no problem oh it's gonna be fun i'm excited i'm excited what bag are you taking to the trip uh on the trip josh me Ooh. yeah um i'm silently hoping that between now and August the 7th, I will be able to convince my darling wife to let me get a different bag. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. So probably, if if not, probably the same, um, uh, excuse my French, but the Cote ACL uh, Isar rucksack or whatever it's right. called, like the same one I took for, uh, for Europe last year. That's I think nice I'll take one. that one. Yeah, I, I like it. I think what's going to end up happening um, is I'm going to buy that, that zoom lens in Toronto when I get there. So I'm probably going to end up leaving my lens, the, the prime lenses I have, I'll probably end up leaving them in the hotel. And so therefore I don't have to carry my camera equipment in the backpack. So, right. you know, I'll just have my single zoom lens and then and off I go. Okay, here's a great trick. You got to pack your bag so full that it has like just enough room that it looks like it's got room for the 24 to 70, but actually you know that it doesn't because then you'll get to Toronto and you'll get to the store and you'll buy the new lens and you'll be like, oh, oh no, honey, look, it doesn't fit in my bag. I guess I need a new one. And then you'll already be in the store. So it's like a done deal. Just add it to the bill. Yeah. Smart. So Thank God she doesn't listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> oh shit, does she? Because then your master oh, plan is, is oh, ruined. Be ruined. So be much ruined. good first impressions. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
So that that's probably the answer to the question is I think I'll take my rucksack. I, I like that backpack. They're actually, you know, it's got some glowing reviews online, but I don't, I, I like it, but there's things I don't like about it. So um, I'd love to get an, I'd love to have an excuse to get a different bag, but I don't think that's happening. Fair enough. How about you? Which one? Which one? I I, I have this like 15, uh, what's it called now? The That low pro, is it low pro bag? The Think Tank backpack? You're thinking of the Think Tank one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Think Tank backpack. That one. I just got up for a second. The Think Tank backpack. And I, I was thinking about it might take that one. But the problem with that is I just can't really take anything else in it. I, I'd like to have, you know, a pair of, I don't know, sandals and a water bottle and, and right. all that jazz, you know. So, and, you know, maybe a, uh, a umbrella for when we go to the Niagara Falls. And, you know, the falls are just kind of like destroying us. And it's super wet. And anyway. So, Oliver, what bag are you going to take? I think I'm going to take the Think Tank Retrospective 6 bag because it's a, a nice combination of uh, it being easy to access when you're out there shooting and it, it, it can pack pretty much all my gear in, except for the flash. But I don't think I'm going to be needing the flash. So Is I that, a, take is that my, a messenger bag? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. So I can take hmm. I can fit all four of my lenses and then the camera. So I think that's good enough for me. I don't need anything else. Yeah, that's a great that's nice. a great bag. Nice. I can't wait to try that. That if I take the backpack, I I I'm gonna want to take more gear, and I don't know if that's a wise choice because the last time I did that, I ended with really bad, uh, you know, back pain. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. It took me actually a couple of months to fully recover. Uh, it, it's when you're carrying so much gear on your back for eight hours a day, it's not Tell me about it. very healthy. <laughs> uh, what are you guys bringing lens wise? Cause I'm, I'm curious you, you, I mean, theoretically you could bring everything so that we can play with everything, but like realistically, what are you actually going to bring? Oh, I'm bringing everything. Oh, okay. Well then Boom, <laughs> done. All, all, all four of my Sony lenses. So what is that thing? That, that's the, the 55, the 24 to 70 F4, the 70 200 F4 and the 35. Exactly. 35 1.4. The, the, the heralded yep. lens in our Slack channel. Like, seriously, we should get an affiliate tag for Amazon because I bet you we've sold at least five of those. We have listeners with impeccable taste. That's the explanation. <laughs> I don't understand what happened. Like, <laughs> they are brilliant people. All of a sudden, it was like... Everybody. Everybody. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I bought one too. And oh, yeah, I got one. Oh, yeah, mine's great. Like, <laughs> These are like $1,800 lenses. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is not, it's not a cheap lens, but once you shoot with it, there's no going back. It is that. Fair good. enough. Fair enough. I'm. You're gonna. You're, you're gonna see it. You. You think you're gonna buy the twenty four to seventy GM, but here's what you don't. You haven't figured out yet. You're gonna try my thirty five one four, and you're gonna buy that one instead. See, the goal is to get to Henry's. Uh, you know, the Canadian photo store that everybody shops before you at. meet get, me, right? Before you meet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's actually gonna happen is that he's gonna walk out with something totally like he'll walk out with a Leica. Literally, like a, he'll buy a Leica Q, sell everything else. <laughs> I'm not that actually, crazy, or like an A9 or something like that. <laughs> I'll have my wife right beside me, and she'll keep me. She'll keep me accountable. I'm gonna bring my 25 millimeter Batis. I'm gonna bring my 55 millimeter, um, and I'll bring my 85 millimeter Batis, and then I'll have the 24 to 70 GM. And I hope that I pull out one of those three primes at some point during those during the week that I'm there. I, I'm. I bet you I won't, but I hope I pull them out eventually. Oh, I'm sure you will. I, I don't, and if not, I'll shoot with them. We'll see. I, I had a whore. I hated them. I, actually, if I were you, if you were, if, if you're uh, determined to buy the 24 to 70 GM, I would probably leave the 25 bodies at home. That's probably true. I just, I figured I'd bring it just so that you guys could try it. That's honestly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's, 
Well, that's fair enough. It's small. It's not. You know. I, I actually can't wait to try your 85, though. Ooh. Yeah. You're, that one, you're not going to pry from my cold dead hands very quickly. But you can have the other two, whatever you want. That's all yours. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to make any. At the end of the day, I, I think uh, the, the zoom lens kind of fits fits the current and future, you know, shooting portfolio better than any other lineup of lenses. So it is the most uh, versatile. I mean, that's yeah, always I think the, I, the win with zooms. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever handled it physically? I I I'm, haven't, which is now everyone's going to go roll their eyes and be like, oh, how is he going to commit to it? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I like the feel of the larger GM lens, like the 85 millimeter. So I, I suspect that I'll like the, you know, I'll, I'll like the size of it. This is considerably bigger. It, granted. But, I, you know, I looked at the camerasize.com webpage where I took, I took a look at the 40 to 150 millimeter uh, F2A Pro like Olympus lens. And the right. 24 to 70 GM is a little bit smaller. Um, and I never really minded the size of that lens. I thought it, it felt really good in hand. I mean, Marius will attest to that too. I think it That's feels really lens, good yeah. in hand. It's yeah. large, but it, but it feels really good. And I, I think, but it's lighter, isn't it? Cause there's a lot, there's a lot more glass. Yeah, it could be. I, I'm not sure. I, at the end of the day, I'll put up with it. I, I think I'll put up with it. That's what it comes down to is I, I'm really content to have like the best I can get in the Sony system and. And off I go. Right. I think uh, that'll be that'll be that. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I'm going to walk out. You know what? You know what? My biggest problem for the whole trip is going to be getting home the 24 to 70 millimeter GM box. That's what's going to be the hardest part. How am I going to get that box? No, home? that's easy. That's very easy because the box can fold in on itself and it, it falls completely flat. I, I am like, guys, I'm one of those people who like keeps every box for everything that I ever have because I, you know, I might sell it in the future. So do I. For reasonable value, yeah. Exactly, absolutely. exactly. So I'm thinking what I might do is I might mail it to myself. No, no, is right. Just, just but you don't un- have to. Yeah, just pack you, it flat. Fold it flat, and you can just put it at the at the bottom of your backpack or whatever. What about all the other jazz that and stuff that's in it? What, like the stuff that's inside that box. Oh, what am I going to do with like, that? It's not like they're polygons. It's it's only the case. Well, it it comes with a padded case, but you can stuck the stuff the lens inside and it it's not much bigger than that i i'm scared guys i'm, I'm not sure if i'll be able to reassemble that box i, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's easy it's easy trust me okay well i'll let you do it for me thank goodness you'll be standing right beside me the whole time <laughs> how cool is it guys like you know I, I personal moment for a second but you know you work with i i started the whole like writing blogging thing in late 2013 and a couple opportunities opened up and i, I got a chance to meet some cool people and and the whole like the whole putting yourself out there online and trying to write things like it opens up incredible doors. Not only can you make like right. have financial opportunities, but you you meet new people and you get a chance to do things like, you know, people ask, oh, what's up for a summer? And I'll be like, well, I'm going to Toronto and I'm actually meeting a couple of guys that that I've been working with online for the last couple of years. Like who, you know, around around here, at least like. Nobody can say that. And I, I really appreciate that opportunity. It, it's going to be fun. Toronto is going to be one of those opportunities that that maybe only the 21st century kind of, so to say, can provide. Um, it's going to be cool. A guy from Madrid, a guy from Toronto, and a guy from the middle of Manitoba are going to get together. And it's, <laughs> we've known each other for a long time already, but it's going to be fun. Group hug. Oh. I didn't mean to get all sappy. No, I don't everybody. think it's sappy. I think it's nice. You're right. It's it's not the it's not a common thing everywhere, but it will be more and more common. I think. Totally, totally. It could be the the fact that I'm like two beers deep, so that that could be it too. <laughs> <laughs> two beers, oh boy. Okay. Uh, oh, I haven't eaten a thing since like nine oh, okay, a.m. So 
That's the same thing as like four beer. Oh yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I'm on my second gin and tonic. Well, no, third if you count the one that I had watching the, the tennis match. Oliver, I can't <laughs> wait for you to teach us how to drink. Oh my word, I am so excited. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to a real like. You know, uh, do you guys have the keg in Europe? I have to say something. I found it completely cute that you guys were bragging about Canadian beers to a European guy. <laughs> You Europeans drink crap beer. Sorry, no offense, but it 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 was cute. It was cute. You guys think you have you actually have good beer. <laughs> we do have good beer. <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 whoa! In fairness, right. first of all, first of all, I was not bragging about our beers. I was saying that I don't know any of our official ones. I only drink the craft stuff, which do not knock it until you try it. But there was nothing in what I was saying that was claiming that ours are in any way better. You should drink American beer. It's awful. <laughs> American <laughs> beer is terrible. It's not even beer. Maybe I'm just, com- it's not even beer. It's terrible. And then Mexico right. has Corona and Corona is just like drinking like, oh, it's awful. Although I like Stella <laughs> and Guinness. Those are the two good ones from and um, uh, Mythos from Greece. Those are my three favorites from Europe. And I I think like a good old Canadian, like Molson Canadian or Alexander Keats. Those are, those are up there, man. You're going to like Okay, but those barely count as European beers. Those are like, no, no, no. That's right. They're basically like international. Yeah. Alexander Keats is Canadian, right? Like Halifax. I mean, they might be a little bit more, but that's, yeah. And so like, I think, I think it's good for casual, like everyday beer. That's a pretty good beer. Yeah. It's hard to dislike. It's a very generic, not generic, but it's like a, it's, it's one of those that, that most people will find okay. Although at least I'm not bragging about Canadian wine. Like I, that's next to impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Actually, I haven't. I haven't ever tried Canadian. Yeah, wine. neither have I. <laughs> and, oh, or beer for that matter. I'm. I'm not gonna knock them before I try them. But so if we go to Niagara, um, it is wine country, and we can probably find a bottle that's that's worth having that's Canadian, just so that we can have a, a you know like a Canadian wine experience. Right. But yeah, from from nice having experienced a lot of wine um it is not it is not like world class in most canadian wine is nothing yeah. to, but nothing it is significantly better than romanian wine so you know there's that <laughs> <laughs> we we I, here in manitoba we actually have um really good rye like like um crown royal you guys you guys have heard of crown royal right marius you i have, I have sure. certainly yeah i don't know about albro no idea yeah crown royal is like a really I, it's it, it's a rye right that's what they call it, it. Or is it is it a I whiskey? I think it's a rye, but I could be wrong because I always get it. I think it's a rye. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's brewed like or made like an hour and a, two hours north of where I live, and um, and they take a Manitoban like you know all the, the whatever ingredients are from from the province here, and and Crown Royal is pretty popular across across Canada. So um, cool. maybe we'll have maybe Alvaro can try that out, and, and then he can show us how to drink whiskey. Seriously, oh, I, I'm out of practice. It. So. In all honesty, like we have the uh, a chain of restaurants here in Canada called the Keg, and it's kind of like, Marius, how would you explain? It? It's kind of like that mid, not I wouldn't say it's like an upper class restaurant, but it's kind of like a mid middle class restaurant, so to say, like a, or an upper middle right. class maybe. Like it's a little more expensive. It's a little more expensive. It's got a, a more loungy style atmosphere. If you go to the bars, they generally yeah, have a good, good ambiance. And just for reference, how much would that be? Because I have no idea how much. Like, like if you have a good steak there. dinner, it's like, or for two people, it'd be like 100 to 120 Canadian dollars. If you had a glass of wine, it's 130 Canadian dollars. Like, 130, and that would be in euros like 100 or so? No, no, yeah. less than that. Yeah, maybe 90 euros. Yeah, less 80 or 90 that. euros, probably. It, euros, yeah, well, that's, probably somewhere Yeah, it is expensive, but it's yeah. reasonable if, right. it, if it's yeah. a nice place, right? It's like where you would take somebody for your 
you know, eighth anniversary or something like that. Like it's not like a super high end, but it's pretty nice. Anyway, they'll they always have a good selection of whiskey. And if we have a chance, I'm sure we'll find a keg somewhere in in Toronto or any other good bar. I like the kegs, but um, you know, we'll we'll, we'll go for a glass of uh, I usually when I, when I travel I usually like to get into smaller bars like there are a little bit more nondescript you know I had a feeling where the locals Marius go has to have I had a feeling that would be the case so I, I do have some that uh, that fit that description and awesome. Toronto's full like there's honestly there's so, I would there's expect so nothing many less. of them that I don't know that I think that part like what might make it more fun is if we collectively experiment like go to places that even I don't know sometimes because that way we're all oh, yeah. we're all Absolutely. traveling in a sense um, right. There's going to be a group of us, like probably like eight of us, eh? <laughs> or six of us for sure. Okay. Oh, actually, wait, this reminds me, this is like a super important point that occurred to me while I was thinking of this. Um, we are not going to fit in my civic. <laughs> so, so someone's right. got <laughs> to <laughs> someone, rent a car. Cause I can't like, there's no way that I can fit everybody for all the things. Hmm. Honestly, though, I, I could rent a car. That that wouldn't be a problem. It's at least six of us, right? At the vi- like, either we have to start voting people off of activities, or if we all go, we need <laughs> another car. Like, there's no way. No, we were thinking about this too. Like, Niagara is fine. I'm just honestly, I am not willing to drive unless I've got a guide. Like, I'll follow you. That's easy. But I, I just, dude, I live in the middle of Manitoba. We don't. We have country roads like gravel roads. Like, I don't know how to drive in a big city like that yeah that's so don't worry about uh, it i have at least 12 months of driving experience oh god okay <laughs> uh it's so so like as long as i could follow you it's not a bad go. city to drive in it really isn't and i'm not gonna like okay. I, I think the the key will be they say winnipeg is the worst canadian city to drive in so maybe i'm more experienced than i think but i've never driven there so i can't say but i toronto is it's it's often yeah, awful. Toronto's not bad. The, if you're if you're attempt like the core is the most threatening, just because there's bikers and there's lots of stuff going on. But once you're out of the core, it's like oh yeah, sure. Fine. The bikers I'm, are the threatening yeah. part. Not, I'm afraid of the, the truck drivers. No, 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 I'm not saying they're threatening. I'm just saying like you have to watch for them, right? Like you have to be more yeah, yeah. of course. So, of anyway, course. but yeah, uh, uh, like outside of the city, the 401 is is the easiest thing. It's not it's not a problem. And we're literally okay. on the 401 okay. the whole well, way hey. from me to Niagara Falls, so it's not. Uh, yeah, no, I'm willing to rent a car. That's fine. How long is it, by the way, the the, the trip tonight? Um, it depends a lot on the traffic and the, like the time of day that we go and which day of the week and stuff like that. But you can usually get there in, I'm going to say like within two or three hours. Oh, that's a nice. little bit of a so drive. So it's not like, it's a it's a drive, but it's not like, for, for Canada standards, that's like a grocery run. <laughs> so Right. So kilometer wise, uh, how, how far away is it? Oh, I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head. Let me let me look it up. Hey, but if we were to, I'm, I mean, it's a vacation, but if we were to wake up nice and early the one morning and and try to get there fairly early and spend most of the day there, that's not the end of the world no. either, is it? Okay, no, so look, cool. it's it looks yeah. like uh one hour and thirty seven minutes for it's like hundred and forty kilometers from from my ah, place, which close. means like hundred and forty five or so from where you guys will be. That's not bad at all. Yeah, the only Sweet. the only no, thing is that you good. go around the lake, right? Like that's why it feels longer because you go you go right. like east and then back, but it's it's fine. Like honestly, it's a pleasant drive, and that whole area down there is is really beautiful. So it's by the way, can I can I just say something for the record? Now that people are listening, shotgun. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm renting a vehicle. I'll be in my own. I'll be on my own. That's good. No problem. Uh, 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, Alro, you're relatively like you, you probably would fit in the back of a Civic a lot better than somebody who's like super tall, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm pocket size. I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved in that at all. I'm driving. You just drive, that's, man. That's you just drive. The, the rest is up to you guys. Mm. I, so I wonder how long I'd have to rent a car for then. We'll have to do a little bit of research then to figure out where uh, where to rent one. I don't want to rent one for the whole time. I'd rather take transit. I love taking transit in big cities like that. That's super fun. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I think I think if we, if we determine that we're going to go see Niagara Falls and we're going to go see, like, I can take you guys up north of the city a little bit just to see lake country a bit like whatever you decide you want to do um we'll just determine that that's like two days worth of stuff you rent it for two days instead of right like right. it doesn't make sense to to have more cool yeah we'll we'll uh we'll do something like that hopefully i don't kill anybody in the back of the vehicle i'm sure you won't the front maybe but <laughs> <laughs>